When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Best of Jack London. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Today's story, The White Man's Way. To cook by your fire and to sleep under your roof for the night, I had announced on entering old Ebbets' cabin, and he had looked at me, blear-eyed and vacuous, while Zilla had favored me with a sour face and a contemptuous grunt. Zilla was his wife, and no more bitter-tongued, implacable old squad dwelt on the Yukon. Nor would I have stopped there had my dogs been less tired or had the rest of the village been inhabited. But this cabin alone had I found occupied, and in this cabin, perforce, I took my shelter. Old Ebbets now and again pulled his tangled wits together, and hints and sparkles of intelligence came and went in his eyes. Several times during the preparation of my supper, he even essayed hospitable inquiries about my health, the condition and number of my dogs, and the distance I had traveled that day. And each time Zilla had looked sourer than ever, and grunted more contemptuously. Yet I confessed that there was no particular call for cheerfulness on their part. There they crouched by the fire, the pair of them, at the end of their days, old and withered and helpless, racked by rheumatism, bitten by hunger, and tantalized by the frying odors of my abundance of meat. They rocked back and forth in a slow and hopeless way, and regularly, once every five minutes, Ebbets emitted a low groan. It was not so much a groan of pain as of pain-weariness. He was oppressed by the weight and the torment of this thing called life, and still more was he oppressed by the fear of death. His was that eternal tragedy of the aged, with whom the joy of life has departed, and the instinct for death has not come. When my moose meat spluttered roundly in the frying pan, I noticed old Ebbets's nostrils twitch and distend as he caught the food scent. He ceased rocking for a space and forgot to groan, while a look of intelligence seemed to come into his face. Zilla, on the other hand, rocked more rapidly, and for the first time, in sharp little yelps, voiced her pain. It came to me that their behavior was like that of hungry dogs, and in the fitness of things I should not have been astonished had Zilla suddenly developed a tail and thumped it on the floor in right doggish fashion. Ebbets drooled a little and stopped his rocking very frequently to lean forward and thrust his tremulous nose nearer to the source of the gustatory excitement. When I passed them each a plate of the fried meat, they ate greedily, making loud mouth noises. "'champings of worn teeth and sucking intakes of the breath, "'accompanied by a continuous spluttering and mumbling. "'After that, when I gave them each a mug of scalding tea, "'the noises ceased. 
easement and content came into their faces. Zilla relaxed her sour mouth long enough to sigh her satisfaction. Neither rocked any more, and they seemed to have fallen into placid meditation. Then a dampness came into Ebbets's eyes, and I knew that the sorrow of self-pity was his. The search required to find their pipes told plainly that they had been without tobacco a long time, and the old man's eagerness for the narcotic rendered him helpless, so that I was compelled to light his pipe for him. "'Why are you all alone in the village?' I asked. "'Is everybody dead? Has there been a great sickness?' "'Are you alone left of the living?' Old Ebbets shook his head, saying, "'Nay, there has been no great sickness.' THE VILLAGE HAS GONE AWAY TO HUNT MEAT. WE BE TOO OLD. OUR LEGS ARE NOT STRONG, NOR CAN OUR BACKS CARRY THE BURDENS OF CAMP AND TRAIL. WHEREFORE WE REMAIN HERE AND WONDER WHEN THE YOUNG MEN WILL RETURN WITH MEAT. WHAT IF THE YOUNG MEN DO RETURN WITH MEAT? ZILLA DEMANDED HARSHLY. THEY MAY RETURN WITH MUCH MEAT, HE QUAVERED HOPEFULLY. EVEN SO, WITH MUCH MEAT. "'she continued, more harshly than before. "'But of what worth to you and me? "'A few bones to gnaw in our toothless old age? "'But the back fat, the kidneys, and the tongues, "'these shall go into other mouths than thine and mine, old man.' "'Ebbets nodded his head and wept silently. "'There be no one to hunt meat for us,' she cried, "'turning fiercely upon me. "'There was accusation in her manner.' "'and I shrugged my shoulders "'in token that I was not guilty "'of the unknown crime imputed to me. "'Know, O white man, "'that it is because of thy kind, "'because of all white men, "'that any man and I "'have no meat in our old age "'and sit without tobacco in the cold.' "'Nay,' Ebbett said gravely, "'with a stricter sense of justice. "'Wrong has been done to us, it be true, "'but the white men did not mean the wrong.' "'Where be Mocklin?' she demanded. "'Where be thy strong son, Mocklin, "'and the fish he was ever willing to bring that you might eat?' "'The old man shook his head. "'And where be Badarshik, thy strong son? "'Ever was he a mighty hunter, "'and ever did he bring thee the good back-fat "'and the sweet-dried tongues of the moose and the caribou?' <coughs> "'I see no back-bat and no sweet-dried tongues. "'Your stomach is full with emptiness through the days, "'and that is for a man of very miserable and lying people "'to give you to eat.' "'Nay,' old Ebbets interposed in kindliness, "'the white man is not a lying people. "'The white man speaks true. "'Always does the white man speak true.' "'He paused.' "'casting about him for words wherewith to temper the severity of what he was about to say. "'But the white man speaks true in different ways. "'Today he speaks true one way, "'tomorrow he speaks true another way, "'and there is no understanding him nor his way. "'Today speak true one way, "'tomorrow speak true another way, "'which is to lie,' was Zilla's dictum. "'There is no understanding the white man.' Ebbets went on, doggedly. The meat and the tea and the tobacco seemed to have brought him back to life, and he gripped tighter hold of the idea behind his age-bleared eyes. He straightened up somewhat. His voice lost its querulous and whimpering note, 
and became strong and positive. He turned upon me with dignity, and addressed me as equal address as equal. "'The white man's eyes are not shut,' he began. "'The white man sees all things, and thinks greatly, and is very wise. But the white man of one day is not the white man of next day, and there is no understanding them. He does not do things always in the same way, and what way his next way is to be, one cannot know. Always does the Indian do the one thing in the one way. Always does the moose come down from the high mountains when the winter is here. Always does the salmon come in the spring when the ice has gone out of the river. Always does everything do all things in the same way, and the Indian knows and understands. But the white man does not do all things in the same way, and the Indian does not know nor understand. Tobacco be very good. It be food to the hungry man. It makes the strong man stronger, and the angry man to forget that he is angry. Also is tobacco of value. It is of very great value. The Indian gives one large salmon for one leaf of tobacco, and he chews the tobacco for a long time. It is the juice of the tobacco that is good. When it runs down his throat it makes him feel good inside. But the white man? When his mouth is full with the juice, what does he do? That juice! That juice of great value! He spits it out in the snow, and it's lost. Does the white man like tobacco? I do not know. But if he likes tobacco, why does he spit out its value and lose it in the snow? It is a great foolishness, and without understanding. He ceased, puffed at the pipe, found that it was out, and passed it over to Zilla, who took the sneer at the white man off her lips in order to pucker them about the pipe stem. Ebbets seemed sinking back into a senility with the tale untold, and I demanded, "'What of thy sons, Mocklin and Bidarshik? And why is it that you and your old woman are without meat at the end of your years?' He roused himself as from sleep, and straightened up with an effort. "'It is not good to steal,' he said. "'When the dog takes your meat, you beat the dog with a club. Such is the law.' It is the law the man gave to the dog, and the dog must live to the law, else it will suffer the pain of the club. When man takes your meat, or your canoe, or your wife, you kill that man. That is the law, and it is a good law. It is not good to steal, wherefore it is the law that the man who steals must die. Whoso breaks the law must suffer hurt. It is a great hurt to die. "'But if you kill the man, why do you not kill the dog?' I asked. Old Ebbets looked at me in childlike wonder, while Zilla sneered openly at the absurdity of my question. "'It is the way of the white man,' Ebbets mumbled with an air of resignation. "'It is the foolishness of the white man,' snapped Zilla. "'We'll return with our Jack London story.' right after these sponsor messages. And now, back to our story. Then let old Ebbets teach the white man wisdom, I said softly. 
"'The dog is not killed, because it must pull the sled of the man. "'No man pulls another man's sled. "'Wherefore the man is killed.' "'Oh,' I murmured. "'That is the law,' old Ebbets went on. "'Now listen, O white man, and I will tell you of a great foolishness. "'There is an Indian. His name is Mobitz. "'From white man he steals two pounds of flour. "'What does the white man do?' Does he beat Mobitz? No. Does he kill Mobitz? No. What does he do with Mobitz? I will tell you, old white man. He has a house. He puts Mobitz in that house. The roof is good. The walls are thick. He makes a fire that Mobitz may be warm. He gives Mobitz plenty grub to eat. It is good grub. Never in all his days does Mobitz eat so good grub. There is bacon. "'and bread, and beans without end. "'Mobitz have very good time. "'There's a big lock on door "'so that Mobitz does not run away. "'This also is great foolishness. "'Mobitz will not run away. "'All the time is there plenty grub in that place, "'and warm blankets, and a big fire. "'Very foolish to run away. "'Mobitz is not foolish. Three months Mobitz stop in that place. "'He steal two pounds of flour.' "'For that, white man takes plenty good care of him. "'Mobits eat many pounds of flour, "'many pounds of sugar, of bacon, of beans, without end. "'Also, Mobits drink much tea. "'After three months, white man open door "'and tell Mobits he must go. "'Mobits does not want to go. "'He is like dog that has fed long time in one place. "'He wants to stay in that place, "'and the white man must drive Mobits away.' So Mobitz come back to this village, and he's very fat. That is the white man's way, and there's no understanding it. It is a foolishness, a great foolishness. But thy sons, I insisted, thy very strong sons, and thine old age hunger. There was Mocklin, Ebbets began. A strong man, interrupted the mother. He could dip paddle all of a day and night and never stop for the need of rest. He was very wise in the way of the salmon and in the way of the water. He was very wise. There was Mocklin, Ebbets repeated, ignoring the interruption. In the spring, he went down the Yukon with the young men to trade at Campbell Fort. There is a post there, filled with the goods of the white man, and a trader whose name is Jones. Likewise, "'There's a white man's medicine man, "'what you call missionary. "'Also is there bad water at Campbell Fort, "'where the Yukon goes slim like a maiden, "'and the water is fast, "'and the currents rush this way and that "'and come together, "'and there are whirls and sucks, "'and always are the currents changing "'and the face of the water changing. "'Any two times it is never the same. "'Mocklin is my son, "'wherefore he is brave man.' "'Was not my father brave man?' Zilla demanded. "'Thy father was a brave man,' said he, "'with the air of a man who would keep peace in the house at any cost. "'Mocklin is thy son and mine, wherefore he is brave. "'Mayhap, because of thy very brave father, Mocklin is too brave. "'It is like when too much water is put in the pot, it spills over. "'So too much bravery is put into Mocklin.' "'and the bravery spills over. 
"'The young men are much afraid of the bad water at Campbell Fort. "'But Mocklin's not afraid. "'He laughs, strong. "'Ho, ho! "'And he goes forth into the bad water. "'But where the currents come together, "'the canoe's turned over. "'A whirl takes Mocklin by the legs, "'and he goes around and around and down and down "'and is seen no more.' "'Aye!' wailed Zilla. "'Crafty and wise was he, and my firstborn. "'I am the father of Mocklin, Ebbett said, "'having patiently given the woman space for her noise. "'I get into canoe and journey down to Campbell Fort to collect the debt.' "'Debt?' I interrupted. "'What debt?' "'The debt of Jones, who's chief trader,' came the answer. "'Such is the law of travel in a strange country.' "'I shook my head in token of my ignorance, "'and Ebbets looked compassion at me, "'while Zilla snorted her customary contempt. "'Look you, O white man,' he said. "'In thy camp is a dog that bites. "'When the dog bites a man, "'you give that man a present because you are sorry "'and because it is thy dog. "'You make payment. Is it not so?' Also, if you have in thy country bad hunting or bad water, you must make payment. It is just. It is the law. Did not my father's brother go over into the Tanana country and get killed by a bear? And did not the Tanana tribe pay my father many blankets and fine furs? It was just. It was bad hunting. And the Tanana people made payment for the bad hunting. So I, Ebbets, "'journeyed down to Campbell Fort to collect the debt. "'Jones, who was chief trader, looked at me, and he laughed. "'He made great laughter, and would not give payment. "'I went to the medicine man, what you call missionary, "'and had large talk about the bad water and the payment that should be mine. "'And the missionary made talk about other things. "'He talked about where Mocklin has gone. Now he's dead.' "'There be large fires in that place, "'and if missionary make true talk, "'I know that Mocklin will be cold no more. "'Also the missionary talk about where I shall go when I am dead, "'and he say bad things. "'He say that I am blind, which is a lie. "'He say that I am in great darkness, which is a lie. "'And I say that the day come and the night come "'for everybody just the same, "'and that in my village,' It is no more dark than a Campbell Fort. Also, I say that darkness and light and where we go and we die be different things from the matter of payment of just debt for bad water. Then the missionary make large anger and call me bad names of darkness and tell me to go away. And so I come back from Campbell Fort and no payment has been made and Mocklin is dead and in my old age I am without fish and meat. Because of the white man, said Zilla. Because of the white man, Ebbets concurred, and other things because of the white man. There was Badarshik. One way did the white man deal with him, and yet another way for the same thing did the white man deal with Yamakan. And first must I tell you of Yamakan, who was a young man of this village, and who chanced to kill a white man. 
"'It is not good to kill a man of another people. "'Always is there great trouble. "'It was not the fault of Yamakan that he killed the white man. "'Yamakan spoke always soft words "'and ran away from wrath as a dog from a stick. "'But this white man drank much whiskey, "'and in the night-time came to Yamakan's house "'and made much fight. "'Yamakan cannot run away, "'and the white man tries to kill him. "'Yamakan does not want to die.' "'so he kills the white man. "'Then is all the village in great trouble. "'We are much afraid that we must make large payment "'to the white man's people, "'and we hide our blankets and our furs and all our wealth, "'so that it will seem that we are poor people "'and can make only small payment. "'After a long time white men come. "'They are soldier white men, "'and they take Yamakan away with them. "'His mother make great noise "'and throw ashes in her hair.' "'for she knows Yamakan is dead, "'and all the village knows that Yamakan is dead, "'and is glad that no payment is asked. "'That is in the spring when the ice has gone out of the river. "'One year go by. two years go by. "'It is springtime again, "'and the ice has gone out of the river. "'And then Yamakan, who is dead, comes back to us, "'and he's not dead, but very fat, "'and we know that he has slept warm, "'and had plenty grub to eat. "'He has much fine clothes, "'and is all the same white man, "'and he has gathered large wisdom, "'so that he is very quick head man in the village. "'And he has strange things to tell "'of the way of the white man, "'for he has seen much of the white man "'and done a great travel into the white man's country. First place, soldier white men "'take him down the river long way. "'All the way do they take him down the river to the end.' "'where it runs into a lake which is larger than all the land "'and large as the sky. "'I do not know the Yukon is so big river, "'but Yamakan is seen with his own eyes. "'I do not think there is a lake larger than all the land "'and large as the sky, but Yamakan has seen. "'Also he has told me that the waters of this lake be salt, "'which is a strange thing and beyond understanding.' "'but the white man knows all these marvels for himself, "'so I shall not weary him with the telling of them. "'Only will I tell him what happened to Yamakan. "'The white man gave Yamakan much fine grub. "'All the time does Yamakan eat, "'and all the time is there plenty more grub. "'The white man lives under the sun, "'so said Yamakan, "'where there be much warmth, "'and animals have only hair and no fur.' and the green things grow large and strong and become flour and beans and potatoes. And under the sun there is never famine. Always is there plenty grub. I do not know. Yamakan has said. And here is a strange thing that befell Yamakan. Never did the white man hurt him. Only did they give him warm bed at night and plenty fine grub. They take him across the salt lake, which is big as the sky. He is on white man's fireboat, what you call steamboat. Only he is on boat maybe twenty times bigger than steamboat on Yukon. Also it is made of iron, this boat, and yet does not sink. This I do not understand. But Yamakan has said, I have journeyed far on the iron boat. Behold, I am still alive. It is a white man's soldier boat with many soldier men upon it. 
After many sleeps of travel, a long, long time, Yamakon comes to a land where there is no snow. I cannot believe this. It is not in the nature of things that when winter comes there shall be no snow. But Yamakon has seen. Also I have asked the white men, and they have said yes, there is no snow in that country. But I cannot believe, and now I ask you if snow never come in that country. Also I would hear the name of that country. I have heard the name before, but I would hear it again, if it be the same. Thus I will know if I have heard lies or true talk. Old Ebbets regarded me with a wistful face. He would have the truth at any cost, though it was his desire to retain his faith in the marble he had never seen. Yes, I answered, it is true talk that you have heard. There is no snow in that country, and its name is California. California, he mumbled twice and thrice, "'listening intently to the sound of the syllables "'as they fell from his lips. "'He nodded his head in confirmation. "'Yes, it is the same country "'of which Yamakon made talk. "'I recognized the adventure of Yamakon "'as one likely to occur in the early days "'when Alaska first passed into the possession "'of the United States. "'Such a murder case, "'occurring before the installment of territorial law and officials, "'might well have been taken down to the United States "'for trial before a federal court. "'When Yamakon is in this country where there is no snow,' "'old Ebbets continued, "'he is taken to a large house where many men make much talk. "'Long time men talk. "'Also many questions do they ask Yamakon. "'By and by they tell Yamakon he have no more trouble. "'Yamakon does not understand, "'for never has he had any trouble.' All the time have they given him warm place to sleep and plenty grub. But after that they give him much better grub, and they give him money, and they take him many places in white man's country, and he see many strange things which are beyond the understanding of Ebbets, who is an old man and has not journeyed far. After two years, Yamakon comes back to this village, and he is head man, and very wise, until he dies." But before he dies, many times does he sit by my fire and make talk of the strange things he has seen. And Bedarshik, who is my son, sits by the fire and listens. And his eyes are very wide and large because of the things he hears. One night, after Yamakon has gone home, Bedarshik stands up, so very tall, and he strikes his chest with his fist and he says, When I am a man, I shall journey to far places. "'even to the land where there is no snow, "'and see things for myself.' "'Always did Bedarshik journey in far places,' "'Zilla interrupted proudly. "'It be true,' Ebbets assented gravely, "'and always did he return to sit by the fire "'and hunger for yet other and unknown far places. "'And always did he remember the salt lake "'as big as the sky "'and the country under the sun where there is no snow.' "'quoth Zilla. "'And always did he say, "'When I have the full strength of a man, "'I will go and see for myself "'if the talk of Yamakon be true talk,' "'said Ebbets. "'But there was no way to go "'to the white man's country,' said Zilla. 
"'Did he not go down to the salt lake that is big as the sky?' Ebbets demanded. "'And there was no way for him to cross the salt lake,' said Zilla. "'Save in the white man's fireboat, which is of iron and bigger than twenty steamboats on the Yukon,' said Ebbets. He scowled at Zilla, whose withered lips were again writhing into speech, and compelled her to silence. "'But the white man would not let him cross the salt lake in the fireboat, "'and he returned to sit by the fire and hunger for the country under the sun where there is no snow.' "'Yet on the salt lake had he seen the fireboat of iron that did not sink,' cried out Zilla, the irrepressible. "'Aye,' said Evans, and he saw that Yamakon had made true talk of the things he had seen. "'But there was no way for Badarshik to journey to the white man's land under the sun, "'and he grew sick and weary like an old man, and moved not away from the fire. "'No longer did he go forth to kill meat.' "'And no longer did he eat the meat placed before him,' Zilla broke in. "'He would shake his head and say, "'Only do I care to eat the grub of the white man "'and grow fat after the manner of Yamakon.' "'And he did not eat the meat,' Ebbets went on, "'and the sickness of Vidarshik grew into a great sickness "'until I thought he would die. "'It was not a sickness of the body, but of the head. "'It was a sickness of desire.' I, Ebbets, who am his father, make a great think. I have no more sons, and I do not want Badarshik to die. It is a head sickness, and there is but one way to make it well. Badarshik must journey across the lake as large as the sky to the land where there is no snow, else he will die. I make a very great think, and then I see the way for Badarshik to go. So one night when he sits by the fire, very sick, his head hanging down, I say, My son, I have learned the way for you to go to the white man's land. He looks at me, and his face is glad. Go, I say, even as Yamakon went. But Padarshik is sick and does not understand. Go forth, I say, and find a white man. And even as Yamakon... "'Do you kill that white man? "'Then will the soldier white men come and get you, "'and even as they took Yamakon, "'will they take you across the salt lake "'to the white man's land? "'And then, even as Yamakon, "'will you return very fat, "'your eyes full of the things you have seen, "'your head filled with wisdom?' "'And Bedarshik stands up very quick, "'and his hand is reaching out for his gun. "'Where do you go?' I ask. "'To kill the white man.' he says, and I see that my words have been good in the ears of Badarshik, and that he will grow well again. Also do I know that my words have been wise. There is a white man come to this village. He does not seek after gold in the ground, nor after furs in the forest. All the time does he seek after bugs and flies. He does not eat the bugs and flies. Then why does he seek after them? I do not know. Only do I know that he is a funny white man. Also does he seek after the eggs of birds. He does not eat the eggs. All that is inside he takes out. And only does he keep the shell. Eggshell not good to eat. Nor does he eat the eggshells, but puts them away in soft boxes, 
where they will not break. He catch many small birds, but he does not eat the birds. He takes only the skins and puts them away in boxes. Also does he like bones. Bones are not good to eat. And this strange white man liked best the bones of long time ago, which he digs out of the ground. But he is not a fierce white man, and I know he will die very easy. So I say to Bedarshik, my son, there is a white man for you to kill. And Bedarshik says that my words be wise. So he goes to a place he knows where are many bones in the ground. He digs up very many of these bones and brings them to the strange white man's camp. The white man is made very glad. His face shines like the sun, and he smiles with much gladness as he looks at the bones. He bends his head over, so, to look well at the bones, and then Bedarshik strikes him hard on the head, with an axe, once, so, and the strange white man kicks, and is dead. Now, I say to Bedarshik, will the white soldier men come and take you away to the land under the sun, where you will eat much and grow fat? Bedarshik is happy. Already has his sickness gone from him, and he sits by the fire and waits for the coming of the white soldier men. How was I to know the way of the white man is never twice the same? The old man demanded, whirling upon me fiercely. How was I to know that what the white man does yesterday he will not do today, and that what he does today he will not do tomorrow? Ebbets shook his head sadly. There's no understanding the white man. Yesterday he takes Yamakan to the land under the sun and makes him fat with much grub. Today he takes Bedarshik. And what does he do with Bedarshik? Let me tell you what he does with Bedarshik. I, Ebbets, his father, will tell you. He takes Bedarshik to Campbell Fort. He ties a rope around his neck, like so. And when his feet are no more on the ground, he dies. I wailed Zilla. And never does he cross the lake large as the sky, nor see the land under the sun where there is no snow. Wherefore, old Evans said with grave dignity, there be no one to hunt meat for me in my old age, and I sit hungry by my fire and tell my story to the white man who has given me grub and strong tea and tobacco for my pipe. Because of the lying and very miserable white people, Zilla proclaimed shrilly. Nay, answered the old man with gentle positiveness, because of the way of the white man, which is without understanding and never twice the same. Thank you for joining us for The White Man's Ways by Jack London. If you enjoyed this story, please do stop a moment and send us a review or comment at Spotify. Thank you for joining us at 1001 Best of Jack London. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon. Thank you.